Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Real World Podcast. I am your host, Brian Schutte. I am here with my mother, Bobby Schutte. And welcome. Thank you guys for listening. This welcome. is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I threw him off by saying welcome. You did. You did throw me <laughs> off. This is a podcast to bridge the gap between boomers and millennials, just talking about real world issues, as well as different issues that we can uh, find in our faith. Absolutely. We, we like to kind of bring awareness to things. We don't proclaim to be experts in any of the things that we discuss, but we do like to bring things to your attention. It could be like, especially in the spiritual um, realm, like for me, sometimes it could be tag works like today. What we're going to talk about, I want to make sure everybody's clear on the topic. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but Brian's going to go ahead and start us off. But before we do that, before before we start on our topic, I just want to say, how, how's it going? What's new? Oh, well, that's nice. It's a pleasant conversation. <laughs> it's always nice to have a pleasant conversation. Yeah, uh, things are going well. I'm about to go and spend a weekend in Palm Springs with Scotty. And some other guys. Some other guys. His uh, Tyler, bachelor uh, Some party. other friends, Zach, Jake, and my brother, Jake. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. Yeah. Awesome. I hope you guys are safe and fun. You're going to go to some great restaurants. Yes, and I'm hoping my wallet doesn't hurt too much at the end (laughs) of the weekend. So you guys rented a house. We rented an Airbnb. Yeah, with a pool and all Mm -hmm. kinds of fun stuff. So that should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Praying you guys have a safe and exciting, fun weekend. It's going to be good. Yeah, going to be good. Awesome. And and for all listeners, I promise to be the designated driver. Yes, please. (laughs) Please be the DD. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Mom, how have you been? Good. I'm do- I've been doing good. I'm just excited for the upcoming wedding in a couple weeks and just kind of preparing for that. Um, we have the bridal shower tomorrow. So they coordinated oh. the bridal shower the same weekend as the um, bachelor getaway. Is the bachelor pad. And I don't know. Carla might be having like a, a gal bachelorette. Thing going i don't know what her plans are yeah, i have no idea but um i wasn't invited to that if there was that's a good thing <laughs> we're, we're happy to know that you weren't invited to that yeah yeah well i wanted to be included so <laughs> i'm just joking <laughs> well i get we'll get to see joy and baby Gemma. uh so that'll yeah, be good yeah i think the only other thing with me has been i've been uh really into a game called wordle oh yeah and i i, I started that and it was like eh <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not into Wordle. Sorry. I've been enjoying it. It's just like a fun Good. little five minute a mental exercise. Good. Uh, since everyone, this, since this will be long past, today's word was dodge. Okay. And I've been like, people have been saying like, oh, this word's so hard. And I've been really wanting to just send a text in a group chat I'm with some other people with. Just saying like, yeah, today's hit like a brick. Just because I give vague references oh, to the word, and yes. that would be a reference to the movie Dodgeball. You're right, totally. You can dodge a brick. I love that movie. That was so silly. It was fun. It was. It was one of my. It's one of my favorite movies. It's it's really a kind of a feel good movie. Like it's just it's kind of like um oh my gosh what's the other one with Ben Stiller that's oh oh Kim you're gonna hate me like <laughs> it was Kim oh, Cunningham yeah we used to like do the. Where he plays the model. Oh, um, uh, oh my! Zoolander. Zoolander. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, another just completely ridiculously silly movie. 
I'm happy that I didn't know what you're talking about, but you did a weird face, and I did know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, because they he like puckers his lips and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. Anyway, that was such a super nice movie. The heater is on in the RV, so it's kind of interesting. We're actually meeting in the RV today because we have had a problem since we moved into the new house with regulating the heating and air conditioning between my dad's place and like our master area, and. Like when dad's is hot, ours is really cold. And so they're trying to figure that out. It's been like a year and a half. Like it's been crazy. We have all these, had all these people out. So hopefully this guy today seems like he really knows what he's talking about. He's like in charge of this company. And I'm like, okay, thank, thank you, Lord, that, you know, we finally got somebody who can kind of address this problem because it can't be too hot for my dad because he's, you know, got his, he's almost 86. It's got to be comfortable for him or it could affect his COPD. And for us, it's like, for me, I'm, I'm just freezing. I can go into, like, we could have it, the heat set at 70, and my room is like 62, 63. Yeah, it's I, like, I remember there was that one weekend you guys were gone, and I came down to watch, be with Pat for the weekend, mm-hmm. and he was so upset whenever you guys came home, because he was talk, complaining about how it was like in the mid-80s in his room, and it was, for mm. whatever reason, the air conditioning, like, it just didn't cool down his room, but it kept cooling down your guys' room. So it was, like, 65 mm. in your room and, like, in mid-80s for his. Well, that's the interesting concept here. So one would think that it would be opposite in the summer, like, with the air conditioner than with the heater, right? Yeah. Like, so if it's cold in our room when it's hot in his, that it would be the opposite in summer. No, it's always cold in our room. And the reason for that is that... The speed for the air conditioner is faster than the speed for the heater. So that's one of the things for the furnace. So so that's one of the things that the um, guy today said they can do is they can actually control the speed better of the heater oh, so that okay. it more mirrors the air conditioner in terms of the outflow so that it will be more comparable throughout the year. So they put dampers on, but the problem with that is you have to climb over rafters and everything to change them. And it's like, Dad can't do that. So. Yeah, it's too much. So anyway, I think we're going into way too more, yeah, too many details. Hopefully, so. uh, <laughs> I'm not picking up the heater and the mic that and the, and the sound that much, which is good. But it mm-hmm. is very loud for us, I feel like. Mm. No, so. I'm good. Okay, that's good. Okay. So we're talking about discipleship. We are discipleship. It's it's an um, it's a word. It's It's a... A thing, it's a concept, it's a, I don't know, um, well, <laughs> I don't know what, how to... It's a very uh, commonly thrown out Bible word. It's a, I wanted to... It's, it's very, it's very, uh, it's a prominent word in Christianese. It is, and so I wanted to make sure we were all clear on what it is. Again, this is kind of my thing in life, you know, I think what I am good at is raising awareness of things. I'm not, like, good at, like being a like a speaker in the church or anything like that that's not what I'm saying but I do like to bring awareness to things I think the Lord gifted me with that that's that was kind of what I always did throughout my career is identify problem areas and attack them and go after them and and take care of the problem and uh, so with with in in Christianity um there's all these buzzwords and especially if you've attended different kinds of churches and it's like, it could be unclear to some people what it yeah. is that you're actually talking about. Yeah. Cause I, and before we even talk about what discipleship is, I remember there's one of the most eye rolling messages I've ever heard was when I was working at thousand pines and as a staff, we were watching a sermon and this pastor is going on and on about how we're not Christians, we're disciples. And like, 
I understood okay. what he was trying to say. He was trying to go on like Christianity is more than just calling yourself a Christian. Like you actually have to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he was like, the way he was saying it is like, you're not a Christian. You're a disciple. And I was like, well. You can be both. Christian is just the word for a <laughs> disciple of Jesus. That's, right. It literally meant like right. little Christ. Like right. Right. There's a term for a disciple of Jesus. It's called Christian. <laughs> so maybe rather than try and say we're not Christians, we're disciples, we just say you're like a true Christian is this mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It yeah, was just exactly. And, I agree and, with and you on so, that. But it's because of messages like that and other sermons where it gets people all sorts of confused. You know, like it's so easily to get confused because we're, we're just in um, an environment of information overload right now. Like, you know, there, there's yeah, information, information that comes at us internet. from everywhere. And there are so many sources you cannot trust. And you have to really know um, where you're getting your information and, you know, look for it to be backed up or confirmed by another source because um, it's, it's just really important to, you know, hear the truth and know the truth so that you yeah. know how to move forward. And so again, getting back to discipleship, um, it was just something that I wanted us to talk about so that we're all clear on what it is and um, what, how we should go about it. Yeah. So you, I know you always like looking like, yeah, live, like looking up uh, definitions of things. Did you look mm-hmm. up a definition of discipleship? I did. I did. So my, the definition, and I found this at lifewaywomen.com, and I actually found some other good information on there. So it was, a, it was a pretty good source. It says, discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. I think that's an awesome definition. Uh, I looked at it in even less bare bones terms. What is a disciple? It's like if someone if I said I'm someone's disciple, it's like saying I'm their apprentice. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm becoming like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to be disciples of Jesus, we're just trying to become more like Jesus. Right. So we are his apprentices. Yeah. And I think yes. what you said is like a great way of elaborating on that. Well, I did look at different sites and I really like this one, lifewaywomen.com because of the way that they... Um, it was very simplified in their approach and, and how they talked about discipleship. And I, <laughs> with my simple mind, that's always good. Again, for me, my whole thing in life is to draw awareness to things, to have a like simplified understanding of things. Like I don't like things to get too complicated. I'm not one to execute a mission. I'm one to define it or to identify it. I'm not the best at carrying something out. Yeah, you're more of a vision caster I than a vision doer. I am. I am. Yeah. I am. That's why you and Bad make a, such a great uh, right. dynamic Right, he's the executor. Combo. Yes. He, <laughs> wait, that didn't sound right. <laughs> but, you know, he's Dave really good at execution. Executor. He really is. He's good at details. And, you know, I can if I have to be, but that's not my strength for sure. Man, you guys would have thrived in the medieval ages if he was a headsman. <laughs> Gosh, Brian. <laughs> oh. Was that a little dark? Yeah, that's a little dark. But, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, so I guess the first part of, because I have a couple questions like always for us to think about and talk about. Mm -hmm. What does discipleship look like? Because we talked about what it is. What does it now look like? When we disciple someone, like what is actually kind of going on? Well, I think first of all, we have to recognize that discipleship is not only on Sundays or the, the the, the day we go to worship, but it's every day of our life. So it's our lifestyle. So I think what that looks like is 
um, you know, being in the word, like that's first and foremost, because if you're not in the word, how are you supposed to share with others how to be like Jesus if you're not reading and about Jesus and, you know, praying and in a relationship with him? So that's first and foremost in my book. Yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head. I mean, look at the Great Commission. Everyone looks to the Great Commission as like the biggest command to go evangelize, but it says, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Now, so what I would say to that, though, when we talk about teaching, and this could probably be a topic in and of itself, but it's like how we go about it. So oh, yeah, we want sure. this to be a dialogue, a discussion. We don't want to come across as a Pharisee. This that, isn't uh, a lecture. No, it's not a lecture at all. And and it should, again, be just kind of how we live our lives and, and how we go about our day mm-hmm. um, in all that we do. And, again, we know we're sinners, so we're not going to be perfect and we're going to make mistakes. But you know what? If you do make one, own it, you know, apologize and ask for forgiveness and then move on. Don't dwell on it and um, don't beat yourself up, but move on. Um, it's, you know, again, it's just... Um, who we are every day and because of our love for him you know we want that overflow to come out and be able to speak to others and to to help others and so especially like if you have like baby christians or new believers you know they're going to be observing you so it's important that we're not just acting one way at church and a different way during the week. You know, I always said, and, and, and I've been accused of this, being WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. So I've always been pretty much the same regardless of where I am. I mean, I was the same at work that I was at home. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. And, and I think that, honestly, I think that's important because when you're not that way, you're going to be charged um, with being a hypocrite, of being one way, you know, today and another way tomorrow depending on who the audience is now okay let's face that yeah we may change slightly in terms of maybe our approach or something depending on what the circumstances are but for the most part i think it's important that we be the same person every day yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that something i had decided a long time ago i think i was like 16 17 but i essentially decided in my heart that if I was giving a sermon and I wouldn't say this in the sermon, why would I say it outside? Of it? I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I really do mean that. And that's not to say like, I haven't failed to uphold that, but it's also like, I take that even when like when I do swear mm-hmm. would, if I'm saying a story or something, would I feel comfortable swearing in the sermon right now? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I don't, if I wouldn't, I shouldn't say that word. Mm hmm. Same thing with inappropriate jokes. I mean, if mm-hmm. anyone knows me, they know I can be very crude sometimes. Mm-hmm. So again, like I haven't perfectly upheld it, but I think that's a great example of just whoever you're trying to be, try to be that person all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's also better for when you think about like raising children, consistency is the absolute number one. I mean, yes, loving your children, but being Responding to them with consistency is like the yeah. number one um, recommendation um, and benefit and, and to them mm-hmm. because they need to kind of know what to expect. And when somebody is like Jekyll and Hyde, that can be really a challenge for them because then they just don't know like yeah. how to proceed. And 
Yeah, and they're, they're trying to learn about life. And so, yeah, definitely for our kids, but really for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's hard because sometimes some people push our buttons more than others. Like some people, you just like never have an issue with, right? They're just so yeah. easy to talk to, to to be with. And then others like me can be a challenge sometimes. I am a challenger on the Enneagram, so I get mm-hmm. that. But, but if you kind of knew the heart of the the eight, the, the challenger, it's really because you're trying to help others. Like, and you get like a, maybe a little bit, um, mm, I don't know it, it's, uh, what the word is, but. I, I, I think it's almost like, uh, I want you, I'll help you whether you like it or not. <laughs> that could be it. That can be part of well, it. Well, that sometimes. could be part of it, but I think it's just that we want all right with the world. We want yeah. everything, we want everything made whole. And so we will do what we can to make that happen. And sometimes we've been known to bulldoze over people yes. in our, you know, attempt to doing that. Yeah. And so, but, but I think again, if you know the eight, well, I think they're kind of like hard on the outside, but like mushy on the inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think a part of that too is different people also respond to it differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I really, really loved the Enneagram series at church and how Pastor Matt broke it down and, and reading his book, a book about you, uh, Matt Brown, in case anyone's looking for that. But it's, it's really super good because, mm-hmm. but of course you want to take the Enneagram assessment first to know like where you end up, but it really gives you insight on who you are, um, how other people um, see you, and then how best as a Christian that you can deal and work with that person. So then this actually brings up another fun question. I actually didn't write this one down. How much should we include things not from the Bible in our discipleship with others? That's a really good question. Well, I think we have to bring reality into everything. Yeah. I mean, because we live in this world. And so, but it all has to be in conformance with the Bible. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're talking about in the real world. Now we know that the Bible was written thousands of years ago. So, but it's so applicable today. Like you can read you know, the parables. I mean, maybe the examples would be different, but it's so applicable today. But you have to read the word to see that. You have yeah. to pray about it, to ask for the Lord to reveal himself to you. I have to tell you this. It's like with that, um, yesterday or two days ago, I was reading Luke 3, and it was the genealogy from Adam to Jesus. And I Uh, And actually from God to Jesus, but, you know, let's say Adam, because I think some people might understand that better. Um, But anyway, as I was reading through that, and I, you know, it's kind of like reading about all the offerings in Leviticus, which I am challenged with. (laughs) Reading through the genealogy of anyone is a challenge for me because it's basically name, 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 name. But, But what I was thinking is in my mind, I'm like, okay, which of the 12... Which of the 12 tribes did Jesus come from? Okay. And uh, then I, I'm like, well, I know it's Judah. But then I thought, like, why Judah? Like, why Judah and not Joseph? Because it just seemed kind of odd to me knowing the background of both of those characters. Here's Joseph, who's very God-centered, is interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. He's, he's so in touch with the Lord that he knows exactly what these dreams mean. You know, we, he was sold into slavery from his brothers. His brothers plotted to kill him, and they decided they'd sell him into slavery instead. And Judah was one of those nine brothers that did that, or ten brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten brothers. And um, so 
I thought to myself, why Judah and not Joseph? But then Judah was the brother, and this is all in the Bible, Judah was the brother who encouraged uh, the other brothers to sell him into slavery and to not kill him, which I thought was really good. And so with that, yeah, he it was, just— He was also, I think, the brother that uh, begged Joseph to take him instead of Benjamin. He was. He was. He was the, the same brother. And so what I what kind of um, came to me as I was reading through there is how Judah was similar to Jesus in many ways, whereas Judah said that he would be the safety for Benjamin, you know, and Jesus the safety for us. It's like, yeah. and um, it was just that kind of thing that kind of was revealed to me. And it was like, wow. Well, and and I, the bottom line is, is that, the Lord will use whomever he wants. Yes. And I mean, look at so many other heroes in the Bible. Nobody's perfect. And he would take like, look at Moses. I mean, you know, look at him leading the people out of uh, Israel and he, he stuttered. He said he couldn't speak right, but the Lord, you know, sought and, and did, you know, he brought it through him. And the bottom line is, is we never know when he's going to use us. And so with discipleship, we don't know through, like, our, like, I shared that the other day on Facebook because it was just, like, it was like a revelation to me. I was like, wow, this is really cool. At least that's what the Lord showed me. Yeah. And when we share those things, that is a form of discipleship where we're, like, sharing our heart on what the Lord, like, shared to us. And and we know, we've talked about this before, whenever you read scripture, it's amazing to me how the Lord reveals something new in the same scripture that you've read over and over again that he didn't share before. And, and so I think it's important that we share that with others um, because I think that inspires others to either get in the word um, or it's just helpful in this life. And so getting back full circle to what you were saying about um, the question about do we bring non-biblical into the discipleship? I think we have to because we live in this world. And so we have to somehow yeah. reconcile. I mean, I think using Judah is actually a very interesting example. Um, everyone who's listening, imagining, imagine you're a Jew who is coming out as scriptures being written. You don't necessarily have access to all the scriptures just yet. You maybe have probably heard the stories more than you've read them yourself if you are even able to read. And you probably have heard a lot of other oral stories that aren't in scripture about the patriarchs, about Judah. And he is this revered, godly, God-fearing, God-loving, almost priestly man. Because that's you would revere the patriarchs. But then you have these stories where he is just an awful human what? being. Well, he slept with his daughter-in-law, he, Tamar. He, yeah, he slept with he his daughter-in-law. She was a prostitute. Yeah, he yeah. not just thought he hired her as one. He hired her as one. And yes, then right. when he got her pregnant, he yeah. was try, he tried to pretend like he didn't do anything wrong. Right. And then he, but then he also owned up to the responsibility mm -hmm. of what he did. Like David, huh? Yeah. And yeah. a big part of hearing that story for them, including that in scripture, is if you're reading the story of Joseph, at some point, if you're a Jewish kid, you're thinking, there's no way Judah would have done this. There's no way Judah would have, like, maybe mm -hmm. the other brothers, there's no way Judah would have. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, Judah started off sinful, imperfect. God mm -hmm. had to show him the way he needed to live. Right. And he had to grow and mature and develop. Mm. And when we include 
those things, look at I me mean, looking at Judah's life. Judah didn't have scripture. He had his father as his priest. Mm-hmm. He had his father's stories, his father's wisdom, mm-hmm. but he still ignored them. God had to speak to him in his own life. Mm-hmm. God had to use Tamar. God had to use real life experiences and things like the Enneagram or other things like it. If they can point you to the wisdom of God, I mean, all the more for it, but ultimately it is God's wisdom that should first and foremost be what settles it. Absolutely. Like scripture is the ultimately the highest key. Right. Right. Uh, and I think there's, I can actually think of one other quick example of it. If anyone knows textual criticism, the process of like evaluating uh, what Bible, what passages of the Bible are like the oldest versions of themselves is that you can trace back through manuscript history. Cause like there'll be slight variations. Like someone puts a period here and not there. So to speak. Mm. One of the things people notice is that there's a chapter in Proverbs that is almost word for word in a Hebrew translation of another book of wisdom and for uh, not Hebrew, I'm sorry, in e- Egyptian. Mm. And people debate whether which came first, this chapter mm. in Proverbs or this mm. Egyptian book. Mm. But one of my professors said, why does that matter? If it's in Proverbs, it's God's wisdom. Right, right, right. Like, you can be a non-Christian and have genuine wisdom from God. Absolutely. Like, we can receive wisdom from them and still be God's wisdom. Now, we have to be careful because they also might have wisdom that's not God's wisdom. Right. That's why uh, Solomon, whoever wrote Proverbs, included that portion and none of the rest of that book. Mm-hmm. So, things like the Enneagram, things like a book about the Enneagram, it could be books from like John Eldridge, who's like one of my personal favorite authors with Wild at Heart. And Wild Fathered at Heart by, was so good. And Fathered by God. Fathered by God is just an I awesome book. I have not book. read that one. It's an awesome book. Is it more geared towards guys? Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing that I find. So his wife. Um, oh, I don't remember her Stacey, name. I think it's somebody. That sounds right. I think it's Stacy. It sounds like Stacy. Yeah. I actually didn't relate well to Captivating. Um that was, we were back at Renewal Christian Fellowship. This is a, a long time ago, 10, 12 years ago or so. We were studying, the men were studying Wild at Heart and the women were studying Captivating. And they're both good books, mind you. But I related more to Wild at Heart having, you know, had a husband and three sons that I was living with at the time. I wish I had read that book younger. And I keep recommending um, Wild at Heart for all my friends who have sons. So if you have, especially younger sons, because you want to read it when they're young so that you don't go through everything that I went through. Like I was always, you know, just so much more protective of my sons and not wanting them to have the adventure that they needed to have. And the Wild at Heart kind of, it it really helps you to cut those apron strings. Um, it, it gives you just wisdom and on how to deal with that yeah you know because i mean i also think there's a certain level of motherly wisdom where it comes with like okay maybe you shouldn't be doing that because that's a little too dangerous no absolutely i you know i can think of one example and i don't regret this but you know um i remember one time jake was about 15 and and his friends wanted him to go to glamis with him with the what are they called? The uh, like, like ATVs? Yes, yeah. Or and yeah. right and th- and like like not even two weeks before somebody had been killed there. Like there's people that kill, get killed there all the time on these ATVs, and and I didn't know the people he was going with very well, and I'm like, I just don't think it's a good idea. I think Dad, you know, was thinking sure, and I'm like, I just don't think it's a good idea. If we knew the people, like if it was they were going with the Burls or the Phillips or somebody that we like knew that were friends the Chavez, whatever, um, I, you know, it would be different. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but not knowing them yeah, very well made me, I mean, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. So anyway, I think that was wise though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, that's a, it's, it's that fine line with motherly wisdom where the dad's more like, yeah, go oh, yeah. have an adventure. For sure. Cause it's like young men need to explain, like we kind of innately know this, Yeah. but mothers can help find that balance. Maybe that's not the best decision right you now. You know what's ironic is that I see this with Jace, our grand, my grandson. He's five now. And the kid just wants to get into things, you know? Yep. Not that you guys didn't. I mean, you did less than the other two. Jake definitely just, so Jace, just like his dad, Jake, definitely the two two the most that wanted to get into things. But Scott had yeah. his fair share of that, too. Um, yeah, I think you were more of a thinker. You were more wise, even at a young age. It's, like, well, I think a big part you know? of it was I saw I was being <laughs> yeah, dis- I was right. being discipled by proxy because I saw yes, the right. other two, <laughs> and I was like, oh, don't want that to happen to me. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, like, but I see that with with even little boys. It's like he wants to. He has this, you know. Um, adventure mindset yeah he does he has an adventurous spirit and he's inquisitive he wants to know how things work and so he's going to explore that aspect Mm -hmm. of it and so i can see how that gets you into trouble and i know pastor matt always talks about how you know it's hard keeping your children alive when they're young (laughs) oh goodness yeah okay well i think to move on to our next question uh, I guess we're talking, we, we're switching from like, well, how much should we use other things outside the Bible? What well, we do know, we do need the Bible. How much of the Bible like, do we need to know before we start discipling? Well, you know, that's a really good question because, <clears throat> again, going back to Renewal Christian Fellowship, I remember when they were looking for Bible study leaders, and I had never led a group before, and I was totally intimidated by it. But, you know, Bobby usually raises her hand and is willing to kind of jump in and do anything. And so I did. And I I cannot begin to tell you how much I grew as a result of leading a Bible study group. And I have to tell you, I mean, I mean, I grew up in the church, but really kind of peripherally, like my family wasn't like ultra- involved or anything like that in fact the guys really didn't even go much they were ceos christmas easter only yep it was my mom and my grandma that that used to go faithfully and um but it wasn't really lived out in the home in the same way Mm -hmm. and so um you know it's that's a it's a different um scenario so the bottom line is is that i didn't really feel qualified to lead a bible study group okay which which is actually i find very interesting because you were still reading the bible pretty regularly before that weren't you absolutely i was i was and i felt like i knew it but you know what one thing that was really uncomfortable for me it was praying for everybody Mm. like out loud because that wasn't something that happened in my home like you guys that was never an issue for you and you went to christian school and it was so very common but i think yeah something you grew up with so i think that's really what it is. It's like, and I hear that from a number of people, like they just don't feel comfortable with praying in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was really my biggest concern <laughs> was, was really praying for everybody openly. Like I felt uncomfortable with it just because I hadn't done it much, but you know what? It's like everything else, the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel. And yeah. the Lord just taught me so much through that experience. And it was quite enjoyable, and I think back, and it's like my mama was in my Bible study group every year, and that was awesome. And and at first, I was really concerned about that because I thought, 
how's this going to work? Because like when you're when you're in a Bible study group, you want to be able to share things and and I didn't want to share anything that could be like hurtful to my mom or yeah. you know what I mean because you do like you know sometimes you know our childhoods weren't perfect or you know things that happened and so mm-hmm. I was a little concerned but you know what it worked out my mama yeah. was awesome and I miss her so much <laughs> yeah I'm so so thrilled that she was there I just remember Joni sorry I'm not going to cry every episode but Joni Freeman she was just so awesome. She was in our group and she was just, oh my gosh, just again, such a godly woman that I always like looked up to. I miss her. I miss seeing her mm-hmm. every week. Um, yeah. I haven't seen her in years now. And I mean, I'm, I'm on social media with her. She's on social media, but it's not the same thing as seeing people in person. And I'm so yeah. glad that what we're seeing at our location, um, that more and more people are coming back to church. You know, so many people stayed away from COVID, you know, as a result of COVID for fear of catching COVID. And frankly, let's just admit it. That's where most people or a lot of people have caught COVID. Dad and I caught it from church at Jake's church. And, and so, I mean, that's very common because you're close with each other and, you know, um, so I'm glad that more and more people are coming back. And uh, yeah. it, it really makes a difference having, um, you know, a full group. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's something a lot of churches are trying to figure out, like something to peel behind the curtain a little bit, like for Sandals. One of the things Marino, Sandals Marino Valley is trying to figure out with that is, okay, our giving is up compared to before COVID, but our, our attendance is like half. Wow. Yeah, that is different. Because a lot of the people who were coming before COVID are still giving online, but they're mm-hmm. just not interested in coming in person. But didn't I understand that the demographics for the Moreno Valley location, they're older as comparison, like Sandals overall, I think is kind of a youth, it maybe is, more of a youth oriented church. Very, the, most of the Sandals is millennial, right. which is between like, I think 25 to like 45 right. years Okay. Old. So think about that and think about how this could be happening. But I mean, within the campuses, so we have like 15 campuses. And so if you think about, or maybe it's 12. I don't remember. But anyway, Moreno Valley is one of the ones with the older demographic. So it makes sense that they're staying yeah. away, but they're still giving because they're the givers. I mean, yeah. the older people are generally more the givers than the younger people. I mean, yeah, they historically. Have, so that makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, and it, it does. And so, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's also something that's just interesting to navigate because it's also, I mean, that also brings up like discipleship and affects yeah. how do we do small groups? How do we exactly. navigate all these things? Well, I will say one thing good that came out of uh, COVID with respect to the church is the Zoom um, meetings. I mean, so, so that kind of became front and center where well, we were still meeting as groups, but we were doing it via Zoom. Yeah. And of course, you know, we were fortunate to have a church where we could get the messages online and so grateful for all of that but it doesn't replace being in person with people it doesn't but the zoom i mean it's the next best thing i mean like the zoom i know a lot of people have complained about zoom i actually think it's a great tool again you talked about the enneagram i think you know zoom is a great tool for connecting with people it i mean because you do you do get to see them you know, as, as long as they, you know, have their video yeah. on. Some people don't. Some people yeah. choose to just do audio. But I, I think with the video on, like, it's just, it's next best thing to being there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I think going back to the original question that sort of started this little tangent, how much of the Bible should we know to disciple? Yes. Uh, my little thought on it is I think you need to know enough that you can be saved before you start discipling others. Mm-hmm. And you should never be content with where you're at with how much you know. Right. You should always be trying to look at it from a fresh perspective. If you ever feel like you've plateaued and you've learned all that you can know with your like tools, then I would challenge you to like go take a class or something. Go find a theology book that's maybe a little bit heavier, a little bit more wordy, or a commentary, or I a think commentary. To me, and, and even online well, commentary. That's what I was saying. You know? Is like because I feel like a lot of people have commentary bibles. That's what I was saying. Like, but all I mean, the not even just. Tools. But you can just look it up. You can just say yeah. like Matthew Henry commentary. You know, for Proverbs twenty four twelve or whatever. Yeah. And but yeah, essentially is. The, the idea being like, don't let yourself plateau either. Absolutely and, yeah. not. Yeah. You, you got to keep but searching. It, and yeah. so these extra books are really helpful mm-hmm. and there's so many great books, you know, there's so many great authors out there that with such insight that, um, you know, find someone you can trust that's, that's speaking biblically yeah. and then go for it. And if everyone really wants to, just uh, have a adventure. Read uh, Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Mm, a few thousand pages. That. I might pass on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm actually on the Bible reading plan. This is like my fifth time through the Bible. So I've I've done different plans before. The first three times I did it chronologically. The last time I did it, it was a combination of old, new, and Proverbs or Psalms, and I'm doing the same thing this time. It's a different plan, but it's the same concept, and I okay. really like that better. And and the main reason is that when you get to some things, like, yeah, who doesn't want to just keep reading the New Testament? Yes, but sometimes the Old Testament is a little tough to take, Like, because I'm in Leviticus right now. And love honestly, oh, I don't love me some Leviticus, if I I'm being completely honest. Deuteronomy I, is probably my favorite old testament book well i yeah i'm not sure which i love genesis frankly i i do i i think that one's pretty awesome um i i I'm, i like exodus too but leviticus with all the off burnt offerings is a real challenge for me um sometimes i don't want to reflect what has happened in the past but yet we need to know that so we can move forward. But yeah. when we think about how we had to have all those sacrifices back then, um, I'm glad that I don't live in a time when we have to do that, frankly, because I'm not into, you know, Could you like imagine having killing to sacrifice, the animals? Yeah, sacrificing no. one of your pets? No, no, <laughs> I can't. And I just can't even understand like your dad and Jake and, you know, they go hunting yeah. and they, they gut these animals and take the skin. I just well, can't that's fathom just for it. a tasty snack. But that's a I, little bit different. And I like to eat it. Trust me. <laughs> but I think I'd be a vegetarian if it came down to, you know, me having to do it myself. You know, I like that's buying fair. my fillets at the grocery store on nice packages. Uh, well, as we continue on, uh, so I have two more questions for us. Okay. Let's maybe one of them is a little bit more quicker. Uh what kind of relationships should we have as we disciple and be discipled? And my little annotation for this is I think a lot of ways this is commonly put in the church is we need a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. And if you haven't heard of what that means before, it is saying you need a Paul in your life. You need someone who can mentor you. 
you need a Timothy in your life, someone that you're mentoring, a disciple, mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. you're discipling, mm-hmm. and then someone who's about the same stage as you, like a, a Barnabas, mm-hmm. someone who can encourage you, be like there in the battle with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think part of that, you shouldn't just have a Barnabas. You should have a group of Barnabases. You should have, like, you should be in community. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I was just going to say that. I think that's so important. You know, our community group, we just had to close it because we have 14. And it's just like we've grown by four over the last few weeks. And these, they have really brought so much to the group. And it's just like, it's really awesome. And we have really a combination. I think dad and I are the oldest. And so we have like 29 to 60 in our group. And uh, married, singles, we have a pretty good uh, combination, um, pretty diverse. Uh, so I'm, like, excited about our community group. And, you know, everybody's, like, willing to share. And, like, we're really struggling with keeping it. We can't keep it to an hour and a half. It was 630 to 8, but once we've added the extra people, we're lucky if we're done at 830. And yeah. so we, we're challenged to stop it then and but it's all good. It's like you hate to stop it because it's so good. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I'm actually, me- outside of that, I'm mentoring two different people. And I don't actually have a mentor per, per se uh, right now. I have had one in the past. Um, but as I'm reading through the Bible and, like, I, uh, you know, I ask you questions. I ask Scott questions from a biblical perspective since they both have their, you know, theology degrees I feel and Jake is I mean Jake is quite knowledgeable and Mm -hmm. and helpful my oldest son who's an engineer but he's also very uh involved in the church in fact he and his wife are going to be ordained this spring so it's like pretty before me incredible (laughs) it's just pretty incredible we are so thankful and blessed to have three adults young adult sons walking with the lord so I'm hoping to be ordained next year and their families yeah that's my goal for myself awesome me I'm and, sure you will. Me, me, and me and P. Jeff, uh, yeah. pa- Pastor Jeff White talked about it a, bit, a couple weeks ago. Awesome, good. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I think all that was good. Oh, so but let me finish. So I just wanted to say, so by just for clarity on things, um, that's kind of I I kind of go to you guys, and it's like yeah. because you have the knowledge base. I mean, I think with my years of experience in this world, I know like the behavioral side. It's just more like clarity of what was meant Yeah. about, you know, what did the Lord mean by this or that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it's it's all about maybe trying to find a mentor who is already in the next stage of life than you. Yes. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I, like you're still only 60, mm-hmm. but you're not, like there's not that many people left who are in the next stage of life than you because you're grandma now. Mm-hmm. And so you're sort of in the general last big stage of life. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of difficult because, I mean, even as we talk about this in Fathered by God that we referenced earlier, he calls this last stage of life the sage. Like you're not really being mentored necessarily by anyone but God now. Yes. And and, and I was actually going to say that. That's so funny because I was thinking, I feel like as I'm reading through the Bible, he's mentoring me. And you you have to be careful the way you say that because it can sound kind of arrogant compared to the other parts of it. But there is a stage of life where you eventually, there's not going to be that many people who've experienced much more than you left. Mm -hmm. And you just have to take what life is throwing at you and Mm -hmm. take it day by day and then Mm -hmm. also just be open to God and opening yourself to listening to everyone and what mm-hmm. you can receive from anyone. Sure. 
but I think the other side of that coin, and this is my last question. So we, we have a general idea of what a good discipleship looks like now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't go too in detail with it. But now, what does unhealthy discipleship look like? Is there a wrong way to disciple? Well, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that. Let me think about that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, obviously, yes, There's there's got to be a wrong way if yeah. you're not doing the things that we said. So if you're not in the Word and you're not clear about what the Scripture says, um, you know, if you're going to be sharing something that you don't really know that much about, I think that that could really cause harm to that other person or to your relationship with them. And, and so, yeah, I think that that, that, uh, could be bad again. I think getting back to, we did talk a little bit about hypocrisy before, Yeah, you know, if we're being one way on Sunday and another, you know, somebody different through the week, people are smart. Like they see through the stuff, like they, they see, you cannot fool people. Like, you know, they know, like, you know, I think so many people, I think I have the gift of discernment too. Like I can have a conversation with somebody and, and know whether or not they're telling me the truth or feeding yeah, me. Yeah, you, you have a good BS meter. I do have a good BS maybe, meter. Maybe it's because those are our initials. Maybe that's what it is, Bri. Yeah, that could be it. It's because <laughs> we already have we already we already have enough BS in our names. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that was last time I said crap. We didn't like that. So I was like, I'll say hopefully, hopefully that wasn't too much of an appropriate joke. No, but anyway, so Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think that's really important. And you know, just again, in my career, 30 years at the County, that was one of the things that I heard. You'd be excellently trained in that. Well, you worked in government. Well, I was going to say, you know, over and over again, how people told me when I was leaving, or when they were leaving before I left, it's just thanking me for being truthful and honest with them. Yeah. Like how important that, because unfortunately the BS meter is big in, in, in employment because what happens is manager supervisors don't tell their employees the truth because yeah. of their failure to be able to confront others. Like they don't, they're not truthful. They sugarcoat everything because they have a hard time being able to tell the truth about a particular situation. And basically what that tells me is they didn't really care about the other person because if you care about somebody, you're going to tell them yeah. the truth. Yeah. You're not going to make up some story and tell them an untruth. And so it's, it's quite important to be um, honest and, in my opinion, direct. And I know that's hard for, for people, but I, it has served me well. Now, it may not have served me well 100% of the time. I think there have been times that I've been that way. And because my heart wasn't right, I didn't handle things well. But yeah. the information was good, but maybe how I delivered it wasn't good. And so, um, you know, we have to be careful with, with not only the information itself, but how we deliver it. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Thank you. Uh, so going back to what does unhealthy discipleship look like? I think I, I was actually thinking of a couple other things. I think okay. a lot of that was good. Uh, I think it can come down to even some things that are maybe a little bit more basic. Like a man shouldn't necessarily be discipling a woman, mm-hmm. especially if they're both single. Right. Or if one of them's married. married. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or if they're both married. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it can just create awkward tension being that vulnerable. Because when you're, mm-hmm. if you're really sharing, if you're really like focused on discipling, like you're sharing like your heart, your most vulnerability things. And 
if you're both single, that could make for a very difficult like relationship, especially if you're both straight. Maybe if they're both gay mm-hmm. and they're a man and a woman, that'd be a little bit different. But. I really think it needs to be the same gender. And again, I know we have same sex attraction issues and all that kind of thing, but I'm just saying, I still think that that, yeah. because you can relate more, um, just on so many levels. And so honestly in the church, I've never, I'm, I've never been aware of, somebody mentoring somebody of the opposite sex. I mean, it always seems like the church yeah. would encourage same-sex mentoring. Well, I can tell you it's difficult because okay. I have tried to do that before when I was in high school. Mm, and it's okay. very difficult, mm-hmm. especially if the girl's attractive. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you were one of David's mighty men. I was. Yes. I was one of David's mighty men. That was a men's thing, though. There were no girls in that one. Oh, okay. Okay. So this was a different... This, oh, I think was, I know was, what you're talking yeah, about. This, yeah, this was, a, this was a friend. Yeah, uh, and you were trying to... Yeah. yeah I, I just think Scotty to... had the same mm-hmm. situation, and I think the challenge there is usually when you have a relationship between a guy and a gal... Especially okay, if you're young. You know, especially when you're young, and again, you're heterosexual, and usually one of them wants that relationship to be different than a friendship, yeah. right? And when it's only one-sided, it's a real challenge. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Uh, another thought I had was, I mean, it's ironic because we brought up single versus married. But, I mean, literally, should like a single person be mentoring a married person necessarily? Let's put it this way. I think that the best scenario is similar circumstances. Because, like, maybe a more mature Christian mentoring a less mature christian but their circumstances are similar they're either married or they're either single i think that's the best scenario but i wouldn't rule everything out i mean frankly depending on where you live like how small your church is or your your community group or whatever you may not have the resources available yeah otherwise well and i also say that because as someone who's single and as someone who's young uh oh and also before i forget shout out to pastor rocky uh because he talked to me before and i'm actually thinking of him as i'm talking about this because me and him talked about this hmm. uh but pastor like rocky but when like you're younger or if you're single people who are older than you are married aren't going to look to you as someone who can mentor them or lead them mm-hmm. because in their mind they're at a higher stage in life than you and you don't mm-hmm. have wisdom to offer mm-hmm. And so that, that's, Which, a, honestly, that's a challenging I have overall, aspect. Well, I'm going to say I disagree with that overall because I have learned so much from you, so much from oh, Scott. Oh, and, and you know what I mean? And you were single and, and I'm a married mom of you. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm just saying you and can learn from everyone. We're not, we're not saying that's right. Right. We're just saying that's typically the case for most I, people. And I agree. Yeah. Uh, and cause as me and him talked about, like ultimately, I mean, we can look who <laughs> the biggest figure in the Bible is Jesus. He was celibate. Mm-hmm. Some people think Paul may have been married at one point, but he, to our knowledge, is single and celibate, Mm -hmm. and he wrote half the New Testament. (laughs) So two of the most influential men on our ideas of marriage weren't married. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you necessarily have to be married or do one thing by another. But at the same time, there is a bit of a fine line because... If you aren't married, or maybe you are younger, you might not have that wisdom that someone else needs. Right. And like that's that's possible. There's a reason why some people feel like that because it's a general tendency. Mm-hmm. Right. But on the inverse side, like you have, it's just a fine line you have mm-hmm. to be mindful of. Sure. Uh, and I think everything else you said as well before about other aspects of unhealthy discipleship. Uh, my one other thought was legalism. You can be right. a very legalistic discipler. Yes, and it, I've it learned becomes the, all about the rules rather than yes. the relationship. And I have to admit, I I, I think. <laughs> 
that's where I've learned the most from you and Scott is about those kinds of things. Because as you're older, those of us that are older tend to have more legalistic viewpoints because we grew up in a different time where things were more legalistic. And so, um, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, gay, gay marriage, homosexuality, even abortion. I mean, there's so many like hot topics, uh, that, you know, it's, um, I know for me, I, I've always been kind of adamant about some of those, but you know, I've learned that I need to be a little bit more open to just where people are coming from. They're, you know, it's kind of like that old saying is like, you don't know what somebody's going through until you walk in their shoes kind of thing. And so sometimes we tend to be so judgmental of somebody's circumstances when we don't really even know yeah. anything about it. And again, that's not condoning anything that's clearly sin. Um, but I think we need to know a little bit more about it. And again, I, that's why I was going to say, I think sometimes as older people, we tend to be a little bit more judgmental. Yeah. And I know this from when we hosted the young adults, I was actually kind of surprised at some of the responses and we would talk about various current day topics, how we were more rigid. Dad and I were more rigid in, in the responses than the younger people. Yeah. And so, but it kind of does make sense in the sense that younger people are tend, tend to be more liberal, you know, older people tend to be more conservative. So if you're conservative, you tend to be a little bit more rigid in certain areas. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then I think, just because we're we're going on for quite a while now, mm-hmm. uh, my only last thought of, and I would encourage all this because it goes hand in hand with legalism, but it's the opposite side of the coin. The reason legalism is a struggle is because we mess up, we sin, and we keep focusing on what we shouldn't do. But if the relationship is healthy, if discipleship is healthy, it's also a good place to confess, to mm. confess sin. Mm-hmm. Being in uh, MSF for Sandals, Men's Sexual Freedom Group, like that is a great place to confess. And I, it's been so long since I've regularly had someone doesn't even have to be about any sort of sexual sin or lust or anything that can be anything for me. It could be food, but having a place where I can literally just say, I messed up this week. Mm -hmm. Like I shouldn't have done this. It was bad. I feel like crap. Mm -hmm. That is extremely important for our faith and our process Mm -hmm. in discipleship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, and I think in your humanness, like it's important that other can people see that you've, yeah. you fall, you know, I, I will give just one, one example, you know, we went to a church, I'm not going to name churches, but <laughs> I, just because I don't want to, you know, harm the church, but we went to a church about 20 years ago and I, I really felt like the pastor, I mean, there were some serious things going on in the church and that. And I felt like the pastor didn't address them with the congregation. Mm. And it was like, you know, he didn't want to draw attention to it. I'm not sure how you would go about it, but I felt like he wasn't being truthful with the congregation about it. He didn't have to be specific, but he could have shared something that would have kind of at least gave us some feedback. Because it's like what happens is you hear about it, and you may not be getting the full truth, 
And you don't want the hearsay going on, but it's going to happen if that is not addressed. Okay. Yeah. Now, as opposed to um, the next pastor that we went to, I think probably the first message that we went to, he talked about how how he's weak in certain areas and he struggles in certain areas and he really has to work hard at that. And like that meant so much to me because, mm-hmm. you know, it's important that we recognize that we are real people, right? Yeah. But we are a new creation in Christ, right? Yeah. And, and, and we're working on that whole sanctification process every single day. And uh, it's important to recognize that. So, you know, for those who think they're holier than thou, it's like, ooh, yeah. you're going to fall. One, one, of the, one of the big things I've come to recognize in a lot of sermons, especially going through preaching classes and the process of, like, trying to create ways to explain messages, like explain passages through, like, metaphors or stories. Mm-hmm. And I love this about Pastor Matt is that he uses his own life as examples of failure, examples mm-hmm. of success too, but he doesn't shy. And Pastor Paul Cunningham did, I know did mm-hmm. this when uh, he was my pastor at Renewal, mm-hmm. of like, they're working on it. They're still being mm-hmm. discipled too. Right. And that's they're important. Works in progress. Mm-hmm. That's important when you're preaching. That's important when you're discipling. Yes. You can't just pretend like everything's hunky-dory. Right. Because what happens is when you're, when you're, Listening to a pastor that seems to be infallible, you know they're going to fall because we all do. <laughs> because, yeah, we're all human. Because we're, we're, we're all human and it's going to happen. And so then what happens is when that happens, then you're going to have like a whole church that's not going to follow you anymore yeah. because you've just. Or or even worse, because that pastor is infallible or infallible. Yeah, I'm not sure which um, way you pronounce it. I, okay. I mean, I, I feel like we're all saying it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when the pastor can't make a mistake mm-hmm. because everyone views them as not being able to, mm-hmm. that's how you end up with things where pastors don't have community. Right. Pastors end up doing even worse things like cheating on their wives mm-hmm. because they need some sort of emotional outlet. Right. And they end up doing something truly evil. Right. Because right. they have no way to be discipled. Right. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I think as we're wrapping up, before I go into our verses, do you have any final thoughts? I really don't. I I appreciate this discussion. I thought it was really good. I I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate it too. I thought this was really fun. You had a lot of insight, Mama. Mm -hmm. I I greatly appreciated it. You had a lot Mm -hmm. of thoughts that I just wasn't thinking about in that direction. Mm. Uh, So anyways, I have three quick passages for us. The first one, Luke 923. If anyone wants to come up after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Easier John, said than done. Much but, easier said than done. But it's something we should strive for. But it's yes. yeah, it's the I think the epitome of what does it look like to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus? Mm-hmm. You have to crucify the flesh, focus on him, walk in the spirit. Right. John thirteen thirty five. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How you know, do we? How yes. do we see that someone's a disciple? That you guys love one another, right? It's, and, it's and, as simple as that. And that's getting back to how can we can we disciple without the Bible? I mean, not that the Bible doesn't talk about love. Clearly, <laughs> it does. But we need to reflect that love yeah. to our friends, our neighbors, our community. Everyone. Yeah, and it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus is, Jesus says the proof of discipleship isn't the great commission. The proof of discipleship is that you love one another, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, and I saved the great commission for last is mm-hmm. my last yes. message. 
Uh, but he says, and this is the, the central command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Cool. So the Great Commission. Maybe that should be another topic. I, I definitely want to be another okay, topic. Okay, we're going to make it another topic because I had a couple thoughts on it. and I, But I, we, I we're wanna, already at yeah, an, an hour. hour. Yeah. So I want a whole episode talking about the Great Commission let's, let's and, do that. and what it means to really evangelize and yes. how that is actually looks more like discipleship in yes. a lot of ways. That's awesome. Yeah, let's do that. So if you guys All have right. any final thoughts, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, ask you if you have any final thoughts. <laughs> uh, but I'll say if you guys have any feedback, if you guys want to like and subscribe to wherever you guys listen to your podcasts, leave a review. We would greatly appreciate appreciate it shout out to pastor rocky uh he i haven't actually technically looked but he did say he did leave us a review i think on apple awesome. I, I cannot remember uh <laughs> since you've been the one who's been uploading this season yes sorry uh, I, I will look today that'd be and, uh, yeah you should i, I, I meant to also, message you tell you that earlier also last week i created a group on facebook called real world podcast and um, so I, I wanted a way for us to be able to communicate easier. So we didn't, we weren't really on Facebook except for my personal page. And I really wanted to have like um, something for it. And I didn't want to create a page. I wanted to create a group because it's a lot easier to, to converse and yeah. communicate with each other. Because I tried to do that with my other podcasts and it's just not the best <laughs> scenario. It really isn't. It's the groups are so much easier. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for listening also. And Lori and... Um, and Pam and like I, I appreciate you guys listening and for providing your feedback yeah thank you for all of our listeners and shout out to all of you guys so with that hope you guys have a great week have a great week